0: Straight Talk from Israel.
1: You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome to the Science of Kabbalah with your hosts, Rabbi Yitzhak Michelson and William Hall here on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome everybody to the Science of Kabbalah here on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. This is Rabbi Yitzhak.
0: This is William Hall. Welcome back.
1: Welcome back. Yeah, it's like uh, you have to forgive me, everybody, when we take a break here and we uh, do a fill-in show. It's just uh, usually it's a health issue or I'm just not feeling up to doing the show. So,
0: And sometimes it's my uh, <laughs> my scheduling conflict.
1: <laughs> yeah. Thank God we're both able to be together today. So I'm excited about the show and I'm excited about Hanukkah coming up next week, but I'm, I'm not so excited about <laughs> about the beginning part of what I want to talk about, because it really just upsets me. It's one of those things that really upsets me. And uh, as I mentioned last time we were together, a new project that I started doing, a video project, we sort of touched on this subject a little bit, the whole idea of gender fluidity and uh, all of these different crazy pronouns now, and people wanting to identify themselves with uh, different pronouns rather than being called by their name, rather than being identified by the, the gender of their birth. But it's gotten even crazier. There was an article that came out when I was doing research for the video that I did on this concept. There was an article that came out where a professor in the US in Virginia actually was fired from his job because he was promoting the idea based on the same issue of how people identify themselves that people who are attracted to uh, younger children uh, or minors shouldn't be called pedophiles anymore they should be called map minor attracted persons so oh, nice. it, it's this whole idea of like de- de-stigmatizing the concept or desensitizing the idea of oh the the poor person don't call them a pedophile because just because they're attracted to to uh, children doesn't mean that they're going to act out upon it. Well, right. I have a big problem with that. I have a big problem with that because it doesn't matter if somebody acts out on it. What if they're just looking at the Internet and they're looking at pornography, on child pornography on the Internet? That's enough um, of a charge for somebody to go to jail, to, to go to prison. So today we're going to talk a little bit about that today at the beginning and then sort of go into the whole idea of different energies, male and female. Uh, female energies and and sort of how it connects, if it connects at all, to the idea of Hanukkah. So stay with us. We're going to be right back after a short break here on the Science of Kabbalah. Welcome back to Science of Kabbalah with Rabbi Yitzchak Michelson and William Hall here on Israel News Talk Radio.
0: Welcome back once again to the Science of Kabbalah here on Israel News Talk Radio. So earlier when we left out <clears throat> discussing the whole uh, idea of desensitizing, you know, regarding whether it's homosexuality or anything that's, that's taboo, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, back in the day uh, it was a shock when I am mean, back in when I say back in the day, I'm saying back when I was a kid. You know, I ate ten years old. I mean, you'd hear somebody came out of the closet. They're like, "Oh my God, they went public <laughs> with this." What are you crazy? Mm-hmm. And now it's like no one's even born in the closet. It's Like they come out gay and they're proud of it. You know, that's right. it's re- that's that over the years of desensitization. You know, and and on a on a personal level, you know, we as humans desensitize ourselves to just random sins also, you know? Uh, that one thing we would find is just like, oh, I would never, you'd never catch me doing that. And then like two years later, you're hanging around with the wrong people and you gradually started doing these weird things you swore you would never do. Right. So it's a slow process of desensitizing.
1: You know, when we're talking about this issue, when we're talking about gender issues, the, the idea is, is, you know, we're talking about the creator of the universe. We're talking about Hashem. We're talking about God. And when you bring in some of these concepts, so you talk about gender and the idea of there being a male gender, female gender, or if you want to talk about when we're talking about from a Kabbalistic standpoint, energies like masculine energy and feminine energy. The truth is that, you know, we are born as either male or female. Now, what you're saying by saying now that somehow I have. Uh, I was born a man, but I feel like a woman and I feel like I've been put in a wrong body,
0: right.
1: starts to sound like Hashem made a mistake. And I have a hard time dealing with the idea of Hashem making a mistake. Now, I'm not saying that the sages didn't talk about that. And that's the interesting thing. The interesting thing is, William, is that the sages actually had a lot to say about these issues. There, There is really nothing that you don't see spoken about In the oral Torah, there are issues like gender issues. There is something called a tumtum. A tumtum was a person that was born where you couldn't see visibly whether they were male or female. In other words, you couldn't visibly see the sexual organs. The sexual organs are covered over. And then you have the androgyny. Um, We know the word androgynous. That's usually, typically, somebody sees somebody that they can't tell whether they're male or female they they call they used to call that androgynous today you you come up with all kinds of crazy things people say i'm he i'm they I'm them I don't want to be called you know him or her it, it's it's mind boggling so the androgyny in torah would have been somebody that was probably born with both male and female sexual organs and then the the Gemara and goes into a whole discussion on um, what's better for that person should that person be male should that person be female and really the discussion comes down to the concept of procreation we got to remember that one of the first Mitzvot we're told that we should be fruitful and multiply one of the main Mitzvot in Judaism is to be fruitful and multiply. So the idea is that not only do we have this issue being glossed over—that somehow, oh, Hashem made a mistake—but now, if let's say, let's say for the sake of argument, that somebody is born as a female, they they have female attributes, they have female sexual organs, so forth. Now they say. I'm not a female, I'm a man. And they want to transition, what they call transitioning today. So they have whatever surgery that there is, whatever level. Some people go through complete transition. A lot of them don't. So let's say they go through a, a complete tra- transition. The truth is, even though they go f- through a full transition, if they're not able to procreate, if they're not able to bring forth life, then right. from a Jewish law standpoint, from halakha, There's something wrong with that. So the rabbis would say that if somebody was like an androgyny, for instance, somebody was born with both sexual organs, it would depend. It would be more important to determine which one could allow them to procreate. And in many ways, the rabbis lean towards and and I know people are going to take this the wrong way, but they would lean towards a person being a male if they had both. Why? Why? because of the, the ability to do mitzvot, because of the ability to put on tefillin, for instance, and to put on tali, to wear tzitzit, um, and to procreate if they were able to do that. Now, if they weren't able to procreate as a man, but they were as a woman, then the rabbis would not have had a, as big a problem about it. So for me, it comes back to that idea. I, I have a problem with the whole issue of people now Making it appear as if God makes mistakes when he when he creates, because even if we're talking from a spiritual standpoint, if we're talking about souls, when we're talking about spiritual energies like masculine energy and female energy, we know that souls are created and the souls are created by Hashem as well. And they're created as male and female. And and so I have a problem with that.
0: What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, um, uh, you know, there's actually a new I don't know how new it is, but a new phenomenon uh, where in the same exact line, you have people who are actually identifying as someone who is crippled, an amputee even. Wow. And uh, so it's very rare, but it's still there. I mean, next thing you know, you're going to have, you know, eight eight, ten-year-olds identifying as a 21-year-old so they can buy liquor. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? It's stupid. You know, but there is people uh, who uh, deal with this struggle so much, and I think it's truly l- for, uh, having lack of our Creator involved in their lives for sure. But uh, but yeah, I couldn't agree more.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it could be like anything today. You know, I saw some kind of T-shirt that was kind of funny. At- It was really funny. I don't remember exactly what it said, but it sort of was giving off the impression like I'm fat, but I identify as thin, (laughs) you know, type of thing. So, you know, I identify as skinny, whatever it is. So
0: and you and that's a really great point. Fat identify as skinny. But when you get on the scale, it still says you're fat. Poor identify as rich, but your checkbook still says that you're poor, you know, Male identifies female, uh, but you still can't reproduce. I mean, all these have the greatest thing in common, right? And,
1: and I think at the end of the day, not that I, not that I really meant to go in this direction, but we have discussed this this subject often on this show, and that's the idea of identity and people that have identity issues. Of course, we see that even when we're talking about uh, in Judaism and and non-Jews that. Let's say come out of um, Hebrew Christianity, for instance, and they were believing that they were keeping Shabbat, and they believed they were believing that they were keeping kosher and things like that. We see that they have an identity crisis now because it's like I was identifying like this before, and now I've given up Christianity or I've bl- given up the belief in Jesus, and now I come and these Jews are telling me that I'm, you know, I'm I'm not. You know, I'm not uh, an Israelite. I'm not a Hebrew. I'm not, you know, I wasn't keeping Shabbat. I wasn't keeping kosher. So they have that identity issue. This is all wrapped up in that. I'm just using that as an example. But I see a lot of this having to do with identity issues. I remember uh, there was a time years ago, for instance, when you had the whole goth movement, you know, where all these kids, young people were wearing all black and they were wearing black nail polish. And they had, you know, the, the, you know, whatever, Mohawks. And, you know, they just dressed a certain way. It was this idea of wanting to feel connected, wanting to be connected to something. And in many ways, I see that happening today. If you look at what's going on in the world today, and you look at this whole issue of the whole pronoun thing and the whole gender fluidity thing, and even that professor that I was talking about, that assistant professor that got fired is also a fairly young person. You're seeing this within, you know, a certain age group more than others. I don't know. I haven't looked at the actual statistics. But from my perspective, I would not be surprised if 80 to 90% of the people that are going through this that are saying, oh, I want to be them or they or whatever are within a certain age group. Right, you know that's that's my perspective on this. Right.
0: I mean, honestly, you bring up an interesting point. Um, I have a lot of friends in both the spiritual side of my life and also in the secular side as well, mm-hmm. and I rarely hear of anybody going crazy on getting things like tattoos when once they hit like forty-five. You know, so when they're eighteen, nineteen, they'll start getting tattoos and piercings, but then when they start getting older, they they tend to slow down and start to think in more. I think down to earth, in my opinion. So it's kind of
1: interesting. Yeah, well, because then when you start seeing those tattoos sagging and they don't (laughs) look exactly like they did when you were in your 20s, it it is interesting when you see that. I mean, obviously we don't see that so much in Israel. I guess probably if I went to Tel Aviv, I'd probably see it more. But it's interesting when I come back to the States when I'm traveling and you'll see an older person like somebody like in the community I used to live in before we made Aliyah. You, you know, which was where near my mother, Leah Shalom, before she passed away. you know it was a retirement community, so you saw a lot of people. and it was just interesting to see you know people in their 80s with and I'm not talking about, you know like the, the guy that was in the Navy that had like a Navy tattoo from World War II or you know something like that. I'm talking about you know somebody in their 70s or 80s that had like a sleeve, you know, like tattoos you know all, all the way down one arm all faded and, you know, saggy and so forth. So just interesting. So my advice,
0: if you if you're a, a prospect tattooee uh, and you want to get a tattoo of of somebody's face, put it on the sole of your foot so when it starts to distort no one will see it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, will put it somewhere. <laughs> I had a tattoo yeah. almost
0: on his on his bicep when he was like my size, mm-hmm. but then he gained like like two hundred pounds and he had this big mushroom face tattoo. Nobody could tell what it was. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, so that's that's enough of that. When we come back okay. after a break, we're going to have to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to transition this. Speaking of transitioning, we're going to transition over and and really talk more about the spiritual side of this, the spiritual energies, masculine and feminine, and how it relates to Kabbalah, and see if we can make a connection to Hanukkah, which is coming up next week. So stay with us. We're going to be right back here on The Science of Kabbalah on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com.
0: So join me, Steve Miller And me, Matt Zucker For Lighting Up Every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time 5 p.m. Israel Only on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com
1: Welcome back to Science of Kabbalah With Rabbi Yitzchak Michelson And William Hall Here on Israel News Talk Radio Welcome back, everyone, to the Science of Kabbalah here on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. So before the break, William, we were uh, finishing up on that uh, our little rant about things that bother us in the world today with all of these, uh, what I I hate to say it, and people can get mad and they can throw tomatoes at me, um, what I consider nonsensical concepts. (laughs)
0: identifiers <laughs> yeah
1: and how we identify ourselves I think we need to identify ourselves the way Hashem created us and that's just my perspective and I have a radio show so I can say what I want and that's why we don't take that's why we don't take live phone calls here <laughs> so I don't have to deal with the people that uh, that are upset with the things that I say Anyway, so I say we were going to transition, speaking of transitioning, into more of the spiritual side of things and and how sort of this uh, these things relate. And we were talking about the idea of um, masculine energy and feminine energy. So, I mean, think about it. When when the Jewish people were coming out of Mitzrayim, when they come, came out of Egypt, I mean, one of the things that happened was we were, we were given a calendar, a way in which to figure out when the moa'dim, when the holidays would be, when the appointed times of God would be. And of course, that was based on uh, lunar months. Um, but in, in many ways, not only do we have that based on a lo- lunar calendar, but what ended up happening was um, w- as things started developing, like with the advent of agriculture, it was very difficult for um, farmers to figure out when to plant crops and so forth. So they started going by a solar calendar. So you sort of had this mix of both a a lunar calendar and a solar calendar based on what you were trying to figure out, what you were trying to do, what it was related to. And what ends up happening is, is you have these two systems. You have a lunar calendar and a solar calendar that are not, They don't jive with each other. Um, And then what ends up happening is there's all these complicated ways in which they have to make adjustments over a 19-year cycle that ends up jiving the two together, that makes them sort of work together, both the lunar and solar calendar. And when we think about this concept of coming out of Mitzrayim, so one of the things that we know and we've talked about is the fact that The word Mitzrayim, that is the Hebrew word for Egypt, comes from the word Mitzah, which means narrow or constricted. So it's this idea that the Jewish people were leaving Egypt. They were coming from a place of constriction. They were coming from a place of something that was narrow and constricted. And then they were coming out into, they came out into the Midbar. They came out into the desert. So they came out into sort of a wide place. They went from being slaves to being free. And there's a whole idea of the, the difference between, uh, I've talked about the difference between Cherut and Chofesh, the two different words for, for freedom that I don't want to get into now. But, you know, this, this whole idea is when you go from this idea of slavery to freedom, it kind of, you have to have a shift in your thinking that then, relates to both the way we connect to ourselves individually and then as it relates to relationships with other people. So when you think about it from a Kabbalistic perspective, we know that there are differences between the sun and the moon. Um, So when we're talking about this lunar calendar, solar calendar, so when you're looking at the Kabbalah, we know that the moon is related to the Sfirah of Malchut, which is the lowest of the sefirot on the tree of life that we talk about all the time. Malchut being um, kingship or sovereignty. And Malchut is the level that we live in the world that we live in. That's related to the moon. And then the sun, which is connected to Binah, um, we know that uh, that there's a difference between the two of them. We know that there's uh, the Midrashim that talk about how the moon went to Hashem when they were created, when the moon and the sun were created. And the moon went to Hashem and, they sa- and said to Hashem, how can uh, two kings wear one crown? And so Hashem says to the moon, okay, well, go make yourself smaller. And then there's a whole negotiation. The moon obviously gets upset and Hashem talks about, well, you'll rule during the, during the night and the sun will rule during the day. And um, and the moon didn't like that. And so Hashem said, okay, well, sometimes you'll be seen during the day and so forth. We know at the end of days, when the time of Mashiach comes, when we are in the HaBa, the the moon will be restored. But right now we know there's a difference and that the sun is the one that produces light. And the moon only receives light from the sun. So the moon doesn't have any light of its own. And we talk about all the time that Malchut, living in the world that we live in, that we have to bring light um, down from above, so it's the idea of pulling light down from above, down to malchut, and then we talk about the idea of raising malchut, elevating malchut back up to bina. So there's a sort of a top-down and then a bottom-up mentality when you're when you're talking about this. So, um, and and that really talks about the idea of both the, the, the masculine and the feminine energies that we're talking about. So one of the things that's very interesting connected to our uh, patriarchs and matriarchs is that we know that when the angels came to make the announcement of Isaac or Yitzhak's birth, we know that Sarah left, right? right. But the question is, why did Sarah laugh? Because if this was an announcement that was coming from above, from Hashem directly, and she would have known that the Malachim are messengers of Hashem, then why would she have not believed them? Why would she have left? And then if you think about it further, we already know that Avram, Abraham, uh, was already told, he was given news that uh, when his name was changed from Avram to Avraham, that Hashem also said, and her name will no longer be known as Sarai um, because she was soon to give birth. So again, you have to say, why, why is there laughter? So some people... Well, I mean,
0: obvious, well, I say the obvious. The obvious yeah. answer is because they're old. As I to have right. a baby when you're a hundred thousand years old. <laughs> <So> <laughs> well, that would be the obvious answer.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, it, you could say that, but of course, we know that things were a lot different back then. We know that people lived for hundreds of years back in biblical times. Um, so it wouldn't it wouldn't have been unusual? It wouldn't, front in our minds, it would seem unusual. But um, it wasn't wasn't unusual in those times. Certainly, in in our times today, things are are totally different. But I'll tell you what the Zohar says. So the Zohar um, basically comes up with some very interesting information. And what the Zohar tells us is that when Yitzchak was born, when Isaac was born, um, and interestingly, my name is Yitzchak, um, which, which means laughter. Um, so it's interesting that he was called that, right? So the Zohar teaches that when he was born, he, he was given a, a feminine soul, that he came from a feminine energy. And so one of the uh, one of the commentaries called Shem Mishmuel uh, explains that Sarah laughed because she understood that her son would have this unusual soul. And that based on the, the precise language of the Malach, of the angel, that the angel said Sarah will have a son. He didn't say Avraham will have a son. He said Sarah will have a son. So from this Sarah came to understand that he would be born with a feminine soul. And then according to the Zohar, a soul from the feminine world cannot have offspring. So this is where we get back to that that idea of the idea of procreation. So so Sarah knew that this would actually be against what the promise was because Hashem promised that her son would continue the line of Avram. So Sarah believed the promise of Hashem, of a son, and so this is one of the teachings that she laughed at this particular announcement because it sounded as if her son would have a soul from the feminine world and wouldn't be able to procreate. And, and so... Then we learn that Hashem sort of reprimanded her, reminding her that it's not beyond his ability to change anything, even the idea of a feminine soul into a masculine soul. This doesn't support what we talked about earlier about this idea of somebody thinking that they can suddenly, well, I don't feel like this, so I'm going to feel like that. And so this is exactly what happened because the Zohar goes on to teach that initially that Yitzchak wasn't capable of getting married or having children. But at the time that Avraham offered him at the Akedet Yitzchak, when he offered him as a sacrifice or was going to sacrifice him on Mount Moriah, that the soul, the feminine soul, left his body and Hashem replaced it with a masculine soul. And so it was precisely at this time that the Torah announced that Yitzchak's soul mate Rebecca was born at the same time. And so prior to that, Yitzhak had no soulmate since his soul was from the feminine world. And when his feminine soul was replaced by a masculine soul, he gained a soulmate as well. So that's that's one of the stories that's brought. So we need to kind of understand what exactly is a soul from the feminine or the masculine world. And the truth is that. You have to understand that it has nothing to do with gender it has nothing to do with masculine or feminine gender so when you're talking about souls and you're talking about spiritual energies it's not related to the physicality of this world so you can't compare it to like uh, somebody who's born uh, male or female it really we're talking about something completely different and so there are different people that talk about this their opinions that are brought, brought by the the babaturebi talks about this a little bit and other people talk about this we're going to have to go to a break and hopefully in our final segment we'll be able to make a little bit of sense from this and hopefully tie in a little bit about Hanukkah as well so stay with us, we'll be right back here after a short break on the science of Kabbalah
0: are you tired of political correctness and the fear that you might offend someone I'm not afraid to offend you wow, look who's talking tough one well, has to be tough to keep sane today. Hi, I'm Alan Skorsky. And I'm Bella Seabrow. And join us every Wednesday for the definitive wrap as we interview the most sought-after guests and expose progressive trends that masquerade as enlightenment but actually destroy our freedoms. We are the No Wolf Zone, so buckle up to this exciting show. Buckling up, but I'm driving. <laughs> Sure, you can drive, but I'm the navigator.
1: Tune in for the No Nonsense, the definitive rap show, every Wednesday on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back to Science of Kabbalah with Rabbi Yitzhak Michelson and William Hall here on Israel News
0: Talk Radio. back, ladies and gentlemen, to our final segment here today on Israel News Talk Radio. Signs of Kabbalah. So, before we finish up, as you mentioned before the break, uh, we definitely want to touch base and connect all the stuff uh, to include Hanukkah, since we're, the days are upon us next week, I believe it is. So, mm-hmm. um, so moving on. Let's transition again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I mentioned that different people that talk about this, and I mentioned the Obavich Rebbe. So, he talks about this idea that the soul from the masculine side is meant to transform the world by being proactive and outgoing. while the path of the soul from the feminine side is, the, is to accept the world as it is, trying to live properly according to Torah, but without trying to influence the world. I know that sounds weird, but he says that both men and women can equally apply themselves to the task of spiritual illumination of the world, each in their own way. But what constitutes the difference then has nothing to do with gender, But the extent to which each person, each man or woman, is willing to approach the task of elevation and purification of the universe. I can't say anything more important than that. Because everything that we do, regardless of who you are, as a man or a woman, if you're somebody that's connected to Hashem, somebody that's connected to Judaism, just somebody that's that's connected to Torah, the whole purpose of your life should be about elevation and purification of the universe. Based on what the Lubavitcher Rebbe said, you can sort of understand what it means that Yitzchak initially had a soul from the feminine world, which was sort of, you know, which we said was exchanged at the time of his sacrifice for a soul from the masculine world. So up until that time, you could say that Yitzchak's service was sort of passive. It only sort of reflected his own desire to get closer to Hashem, and to receive whatever illumination that Hashem wanted to to give to him, and from that service, it wasn't to be expected that there would be a continuation of the line. It wasn't expected that he would have offspring. So after his experiences at Akeda, when his father was planning to to do the will of Hashem there, his service of Hashem took on the aspect of conquering the world, you could say. That he was bringing spiritual illumination not only to himself, but also to the rest of the world. And as a result of that, this coincided with him now receiving a soul from the masculine side. And he also found his soulmate that we talked about, because at the same time, um, a Rivka, Rebecca was born, and now he had the ability to, to procreate, which we said is an important thing that the rabbis talk about. And, of course, they had the sons Esau and Yaakov. And We know that Yaakov exemplified the idea of the masculine soul in trying to perfect the world. And his name, we know his name was eventually changed from Yaakov to Israel. And he was told at the time, you have struggled with God and men and have pre- prevailed. So this is a sort of that characteristic of that, that masculine energy. The, the masculine energy we said are sort of top down. I said before when we were talking about the sun and the moon and sort of proactive and the predominant energy is to decisively and quickly impose um, external solutions. And then feminine energy is a little bit different. It's bottom up, like we said, and when feminine, Feminine energy interacts with the world, it sees potential. By cultivating, building, and revealing innate qualities, it sort of engenders transformation. The whole idea of the feminine energy is more nurturing. Men always have solutions to things, right? And women look at things in a completely different way than we do, which is, I think, why women are more intuitive than we are. But both masculine and feminine energies are equally important. They're both dynamic and they're both vital, and we need both of them. So even though we're talking about them in different ways, they're both just as, as important. We, we can't have one without the other. We have to stay away from extremes, too, when it comes to masculine and feminine energy. So if you were going to look for an extreme, for somebody who was an extreme of masculine energy, you would see Pharaoh. Pharaoh exemplifies that idea of an unhealthy uh, masculine energy um, because he sort of reduced the reality to one dimension, my way or the highway. That's how Pharaoh thought, right? You, you have to be careful also with feminine energy um, going to an extreme because that also can be unhealthy where somebody being so submissive that they, they don't interact at all they don't even have a point of view anymore. So we know from biblical commentary most of the Jews wanted to stay in Egypt sort of have a disconnection from one's identity and and that's crazy and so we have to be careful of that out as well. So this is not um, a call to for androgyny like we talked about where we have sort of unisex blandness where everybody just is homogenized because we know that we have both energies. When Hashem said he created them, he created them male and female, he created them. So when we talk about this, because we only have like four or five minutes left and I wanna try and make the connection here. Again, we have to understand that what we're being tasked with, again, with this whole idea of the Kabbalah with sort of the top down and the bottom going up It's this idea of drawing light in. So we're sort of being tasked with being a light to the nations, right? And one of the ways we do this is by drawing light even in the, the personal space. What do I mean by that? So we know that there's both a private space and there's a, you know, there's a private space, like our homes is a private space. Even in Judaism, we talk about what's called a public space. And what's called a, a private space as it relates to the laws of Shabbat, for instance, in a Talmud. There's a lot that goes into the difference about what a public space is and what a private space is as it relates to carrying what, allowed, what you're allowed to carry on Shabbat in a public space, and a private space. So we know that, for instance, the purpose of walls delineates a private space from a public one. And this idea of creating... An inner space that is protected not only from things that happen on the outside, from the elements, from rain, from snow, from cold, from the wind that you experienced before when we were, you know, before we started the show, but but also from our senses, from, you know, the things that we see, the things we hear uh, out in the public, because... Uh, You know, we're constantly bombarded. Just what we're talking about with these kind of things like this gender issue and all the different things you you, you're constantly bombarded with things from the outside. But it's in the private space. It's in that inner space that we're really allowed to sort of be in a deeper way who we really are. We're, We're able to be our more authentic selves because we don't have to put on pretense when we're outside. And so what does this have to do with Hanukkah? So in a very real way, Hanukkah is a celebration of the home, of that inner space, because on Hanukkah, the home, which is the strength that comes specifically from being in that inner space, being away from the public eye, um, allows this brilliant light to shine out into the public realm. So it's this idea of drawing light into the home, but for what purpose? Again, we said that everything is about, We sh- our purpose should be what? To elevate and to purify the world, to elevate and purify the universe. So in Hanukkah, we celebrate the defeat of the strong into the hands of the weak, the few into the hands of the many, the impure into the hands of the pure, and the righteous into the hands of the wicked. Hanukkah is a celebration of those kind of qualities which generally do not win in this world. In other words, usually the weak don't win, but in this case, it did. So I'm going to close with this because I brought up the idea that Esav and Yaakov ended up coming into this world as a result of Yitzchak now having this male soul, right? So Esav is called a hunter, right? He's cunning, he's predatory, he's powerful. And Yaakov is called what? A dweller in tents, so Asav is found in the sphere of activity out in the world, out in that public space that we're talking about. And Yaakov's world was where? Inside, in the inner space, in that tent where he focused on chokhmah, where he focused on wisdom, which can only be accessed in a world that's protected from... You know the 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 aspect of his brother that conniving, striving, always looking for the next thing through might and power. So Yakov and Asav are diametrically opposed worldviews that came to a head in a very historic encounter because right. they had this exchange um, between the two of them where Esau asks Yaakov, you know, come with me, join with me, don't worry about it, I have plenty of stuff. You know, come, together We'll be, we'll be more powerful. You know, we see that in movies and TV all the time. You know, come with me. You know, two heads are better than one. But Yaakov, the tent dweller, declines the offer and he says, I will go ahead slowly, accommodating the needs of my children and my flock. Yaakov says the lights, the camera, the action the the likes, the fans, the followers, all that stuff that, that the, the world is looking for, that's not for me. That's not for me at all. So the Hanukkah story teaches us that life is not really about the dazzle and the show, the things that are connected to the world outside, but we light the Hanukkah the Hanukkah menorah or the Hanukiah inside the house. And we place it either by the window or the doorway, and it's the idea of the light, the radiance that emanates from within, from within inside the home, in that inner space, um, that ultimately lights up the darkness, that ultimately elevates and purifies this world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So usually we're we're out of time, William. That's all. I <laughs> and, uh, you know, I hope uh, this was elevating and purifying for you. It was for me, and I yeah. hope...
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I hope everybody stays with us each week here on the Science of Kabbalah, IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Shalom.
0: If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook, Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page and don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook.